0: Welcome to Sermons from Iceland, a podcast that highlights the most recent sermons from Lufstofan Baptista Kyrka, a Bible-based church in the Reykjavik Iceland area. Pastor Gunnar Inge Gunnarsson and the ministry staff at Love are grateful that you are joining us for today's study in God's Word as a supplement to your weekly routine of meeting with your local church to worship Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The following was recorded on Sunday, August 20, 2023. Today's tenth anniversary message of Loftstøffan, God's Glory in the Church, a study in Ephesians chapter three. My name is Gunnar.
1: If you don't know me, uh, I'm glad that you're here. It's, well, uh, it's just awesome to have you here for our ten-year service, um, and I hope to see your faces again. But um, I want to start with asking this questions. This question. How many of you are familiar with the idea of Easter eggs in TV shows and movies? Okay, it's like, so, okay, okay. Uh, how many of you think I'm talking about actual Easter eggs? Okay, okay, that's good. So, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the concept of Easter eggs in a movie, the concept is pretty simple. It is that a TV show or a movie will put something in the screen that hints at what's coming in the the next show or the next series. And it's sort of a subtle hint of what is to come. And the reason I mentioned that is because today we're celebrating our 10 year anniversary as a church. And when we started the church, we were putting together a logo. Uh, The first logo was horrible. Uh, (laughs) It was an arrow that looked like it was graffitied and maybe from the 1980s. And then we put our circle logo together and we put the verse on there from Ephesians chapter three, verse 21. And those are the verses I want to dwell on today. But the verse goes like this. And and by the way, the title for the sermon today is God's glory in the church, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. But the verse goes like this. That's supposed to be verse 12, not 121. Um, It says, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And everybody said, amen. So we started this church because we felt God called us to do that in many ways. But the reason we started the church was for one purpose, and that is to glorify God in the church. And by church, we don't mean a building. We don't mean a location. That's how how many people think of church. Like I mentioned when we were praying for Rebecca Caris, New Testament is written in Greek. Sometimes we have stuff that's simply lost in translation. The Greek word for church is ecclesia. Ekklesia which is not a building or a location, but rather the gathering of God's people. And so that's what a church is. That's why we have brothers and sisters around the world who may be meeting in gyms and then other places where they meet in cathedrals. And those are still the church. Yeah, actually the people from Boston are like shaking their heads. Yes, we meet in a gym in Boston. Um, and so uh, it, that's what we mean by church. We mean that God's glory is seen in his people being weird because normal isn't working. Like I said, I stole this from someone, I don't remember who, but normal isn't working and we want to be the people of God who are just simply weird in society pointing to the love of Christ. And we believe then and we still today that there is nothing better that you can do with your life than to glorify, to enjoy, and to know God and to make him known. And we believed when we started the church and we still do today that Jesus is the only one in this life who is not only worthy of your worship, but able to carry the weight of your worship. Whatever else you worship, whoever else you worship will fail you. If you worship your beauty, I'm telling you right now, doesn't matter what serum you find, that wrinkle is gonna come one way or another, right? And if you try to get rid of it, that sometimes just goes the opposite way. It just looks weird, right? And that, that's how what happens in our fallen day and age. Like, If you worship money, let me tell you, you may be awesome one day and then it will fail you. Or if you reach enough money, you realize even mountains of money cannot satisfy the hunger of your soul that you created for, which Augustine of Hippo said 1700 years ago, God, you have created us for yourself and our hearts remain restless until they find their rest in you. All this other stuff, the blessings of life, they are simply the add-on on the true joy that we have in Christ. And we believe that Jesus is true source of true hope, true joy. And we believe the best thing I can do for you, the best thing that we as a community can do for our country is to share the love of Jesus with people that is a source of eternal joy. But in that verse, and especially the surrounding verses in Ephesians, I feel like there's an Easter egg in there about what God was about to do in our church. And that's why I want to dwell on verses 14 through 21 today. Um, There's this, I don't know, some of you read Bible verses and you just laugh sometimes. Like the Bible is funny sometimes. We can admit that. There's this verse in Proverbs 16, 9, and it's not written as a joke, but it makes you laugh still. At least it does for me. Maybe you have a hard experience with this, but the verse goes like this. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Sounds like, oh, this is, this is wise, right? Do you know what he's saying? He's basically saying, you make your plans and God laughs. Like that's, that's what's happening here. <laughs> you make all your plans and all of your goals for the future, but God has a different idea in mind and sometimes does surprising things. And over the last 10 years, there have been a lot of surprising moments uh, a lot of plans that have been made, and a lot of plans that have fallen apart, and then you just look around and you see the plan of God, and you're like, "Okay, wow!" And it, it gives you just humility that God will allow you to be a part of His unfolding story in Iceland. And so, as we celebrate 10 years today, hopefully, we can be encouraged in glorifying God and what He's done leading up to this point, and and be excited as we take steps towards the future, as we continue to rely on him to glorify himself in us and through us. So would you stand with me as we read these verses today in Ephesians chapter three? All right, let's read this together. For this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with a power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. All right, that's awesome. So how about you? you may be seated, <laughs> calm down. <clears throat> no, so, all right. So the context of this, I want to start with that. Uh, he starts the verses off with this, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father. And we have to ask ourselves the reason, you know, what is the reason? Yeah, it's like a coffee, you know, like a verse a day may keep the devil away, right? But sometimes if it out, it's out of context, it's, it's actually just doesn't really help, right? <laughs> For this reason, I bow my head. So what is he saying there? He has just explained to them previously in this chapter that this is, Paul, the apostle that's been chosen by God to take the good news of Jesus, not only to Jewish people of whom he is a Jew, uh, but to the Gentiles. And when he uses the word Gentiles, it's basically talking about everybody who is not a Jew. And so to the rest of the world. And he talks about the mystery of God being revealed in the church. And this plan of God has now become a reality. That the good news of Jesus was for everybody. And everybody would be united in one body in the church. And this may be like to us, it's like, yeah, of course. You know, we're, we're from all these different places. And, but remind yourself, this is 2000 years ago. These are all Jewish people. They're following a Jewish Messiah and there have been no Gentiles who have converted to the faith. And, and now this weirdo, Paul the apostle is taking it to everybody. This was God's plan all along. Not to make everyone look the same or be the same, but for every tribe and tongue and nation to be united in Christ. And and there's like this big difference between on one hand having unity and then on the other having uniformity. And that's not the same thing. So here the uh, Apostle Paul is describing, man, we want unity even in our diversity that is from all these people coming from all these different nations becoming followers of Jesus. And this is why we're here. 2,000 years removed from this text, we're on this rock in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. If you're from Iceland, you're a descendant of pagan Vikings and you're worshiping the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Let me tell you, those names are very different from Gunnar and Thor and Aif, you know, like that. That is not Icelandic. That is, that is th- those are Jewish people. And we are worshiping the God of Israel on this little rock, precisely because of the mystery of God unfolding in the church that the good news of Jesus is for everybody. Yeah, I'm sorry, coming down, Diego. I, I realize I'm talking really fast. Um, well, there are so many things that make us different from one another. Maybe your liking of clothing styles, or hairstyles, or cultures, or backgrounds. Maybe your stories, your testimonies. If you look across this room, we probably have varying degrees of hobbies that don't match with one another, coming from different places on uh, as, as regarding economic status and how much money we have. We come from different workplaces. We speak different languages. But at the same time, there's one thing that unites us all that is larger than all of these things. And that makes all the differences sort of pale in comparison to the one thing that we have in common, which is Jesus Christ is Lord. He is our savior and he is our Lord. And the truth is this, Jesus has come to die for our sins. Jesus has come to abolish the religion of man who tries to give you a recipe of what you must do to enter heaven or to earn your way to God. And Jesus comes and he totally abolishes the religion of man. Jesus flips the script around. When you come to Jesus, you don't come to hear about what you should do to earn his love. Rather, you come to the one telling you, you can't. Like the Bible can be pretty depressing at times. Again, let's take a verse out of context and just remind you how awful we are. For all have sinned, if you really look at the Greek there, that word all means like everybody. So like that's that's you and me included. That's all the way we understand it, basically. All have sinned. What is sin? It's an archery term in the Old Testament, meaning missing the mark. You have not lived for what God created you. So you have failed the test. I'm sorry for all of you type A students out there. You have failed this one. And you've fallen short of the glory of God. So in Jesus, we don't find a man coming to tell us how to do better to earn God's love or heaven. Or the fact that we don't, he's it, 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 it neither a man who reminds us only that we don't deserve heaven, but rather we find God who came to tell us that it's impossible for you to be perfect as God is. It's impossible for you to earn your way to perfection, to be with God forever. Therefore, Jesus comes down. And as we can't make our way up, he meets us down here. He meets us in the mud. Jesus came to take the debt that you owe, the sins you've committed, the shame that you bear and the power of sin over your life and give you new life. And to take the letter of debt that kept you from ever being with a holy God because you and I have failed and he took that and nailed it to the cross. As Colossians chapter two says, his blood was shed so that you could live, so that we could live. He bore the shame so that you don't have to anymore. You might be struggling with that. Burying, uh, carrying shame for years, never realizing you could have left that at the cross. He died for that shame. He was put down so that you could be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. That's a crazy reality. You realize what that means? At the judgment seat, when God sees you, he doesn't just see an improved version of you because you were a good Christian lady, a good Christian man. It says you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. It means all the righteousness of Christ has been put on you. And God sees that. And all of your sin, shame, has been put on Christ and nailed to the cross. So when we are confronted by this divine love at the cross, what else can we do except to run to him? The source of our true joy. As I am confronted with his love that died for my sin, why should I live a life flirting with the very sin that sent my Savior to be humiliated and killed on my behalf? With a promise of eternal joy, what other logical response is there except to let go of all the momentary things that promise everything, right? You see these ads with all these people. You notice there are never sad people in ads, right? They're just always so happy to have the new phone or the magic serum that someone picked up out of the ground from uh, you know, the Blue Lagoon or something. You know, like they're all so happy. And you just get this image. If I just get this right thing, I'll be happy. Man, when we are confronted by the divine love of Christ, what other logical response do we have? Except to say to all the fleeting things that promise everything and never yet deliver fully, "No, you know what, I am not going to sacrifice eternal joy on the altar of momentary pleasures." With that love that we see on the cross, what logical response is there except to trust Him for our well-being, to follow him, even when we have questions? Right? But we're good Christians, right? No one here has any questions about that. So, but these other people, you know, they should do that. Whatever may divide us, be it languages, cultures, hobbies, economic status, whatever else, all of a sudden pales in comparison to this great mystery that unites us that we are this weird family of brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And that is the reason why Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knee to the father for the things that he's done. And I find this perplexing and encouraging. God's plan can be so different from our plans that are informed by pragmatism and what makes sense, right? Here's, here's Paul, the apostle. If you don't know this, say <laughs> if you don't know this, he is a former Pharisee, right? He's highly educated among the religious elite, he is respected by the religious elite in Israel. And God says to this religious Pharisee, I'm going to use you, right? And if if you were just a human being, if you were just a human being and you were to come up with a plan, right? Imagine this, you've got 12 disciples, you got some followers of Jesus. He's just been murdered on a cross, which was a way for the Romans to say, Look at the example that we set. Anybody dare follow his steps, the same will come of you, right? But he's given you this mission to reach the entire world. I don't know about you, but I would need a whiteboard. I would look like an insane person, a lot of coffee. How are you gonna reach? So the the world is round and we need to go all the different places. (laughs) How are we gonna do, you know? Oh, we got this apostle Paul that Jesus converted. Of course, he's going to you know, reach the Jews, right? He's a highly educated, respected Israelite. He's a Pharisee. And then God comes along and he just ruins all these pragmatic, nice plans. He tells the highly respected Israelite religious elite, no, you're going to reach the Gentiles who don't care about your knowledge of the Old Testament, who are not impressed by your status as a Pharisee. They would probably ask, what is a Pharisee? You know, and, and then God comes in and says, you know what, this fisherman, Peter, I'm going to use him to reach all the Jewish people. And I'm going to take this highly respected Israelite to reach all the, the people who don't respect him. In terms of pragmatism, this strategy makes little sense. Why would you use a fisherman who's not respected by the Jewish people to reach the Jewish people and the highly respected Jewish person to reach the people who don't respect him at all? again, I think about Proverbs sixteen nine. man may make his plans, but God directs his steps. And in this, God is glorified. He can bring surprising results that lead to his glory in the church. If his people have bendable knees or willing to bow before the father and are ready to go where he would lead them. And God can do the same with you. But the question for you is, and for me, is will we bend our knees before the Father and faithfully heed the call that he has for your life, even when it doesn't seem to line up with what you had expected your life to look like? And in verses 17 and 18, he says this.
2: We see the desire of Paul
1: for us to be grounded in love, to experience the depth, the height, the length, and the width of God's love and yet in verse 19 he says this and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God I don't know about you the more I read this one verse over and over the funnier it gets so it says the love of Christ which is unknowable it surpasses knowledge I want you to know that thing that's unknowable And I love that. He wants you to experience the depth of the love of God, the depth that has no bottom, the width that never ends. Some knowledge cannot be taught by informational exchange like this. It cannot be taught in theories. It has to be experienced and be practiced. And even then, can we ever fully know the love of God for you? And I have a, I love a song that I actually, yeah, we, we sing this today with a thousand hallelujahs um, where we sing this line There isn't enough to sing of all that you've done, but I have eternity to try. How awesome is that? Brothers and sisters, here and now we will experience and see the love of Christ. And we see this in First Corinthians thirteen twelve. He 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 reminds us that only here and now we see it through a mirror dimly. The love of Christ that we get to know is sort of skewed and
2: sometimes lacks understanding. We
1: sing a song, I think actually we're going to sing later after the sermon, where we sing about Christ. Why should I gain from his reward? And I just love the song. Doesn't it let you even try to answer it? It actually says, I cannot give an answer. <laughs> but this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. Please stop striving for affirmations. A patch on the back from praise of people, finding your worth in the pursuit of praise of people or success or fleeting things. You have the king of the universe that comes down to meet you in the mud and offers you forgiveness and purpose and hope. He offers you power when you have none and love that you can never fully grasp or understand. And it's available for you to experience. Do you think you have
2: great plans for your life? God has greater plans.
1: Do not settle, as one one guy put it, do not settle for making sandcastles on the beach when the king is asking you to join him in an actual castle. Do not be so distracted by these sandcastles that you don't hear the call of the one inviting you to an actual legit castle. I love this quote that I
2: ran into this week.
1: Someone put it this way. As it turns out, there are two things that you can do in life without God. You can fail miserably or you can succeed even more miserably. You can be the one who makes a great sandcastle on the beach. And the misery of your failure is found in the fact that you never heard the king calling you to an actual castle. But here comes God who offers you divine comfort in your lowest moments and reminds you in your best moments that even this, even whatever you experience, that's the highest of highs in life is nothing compared to the glory that is to come. But the question for all of us today is do we have bendable knees? Or are we too, too preoccupied with pretending to be our own God, to worshiping creation rather than creator? And Paul, he invites us to this really exciting light. He says here, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so we started this church like 10 years ago. And yes, I was familiar with the context of this verse that God, uh, that Paul has been talking about, the mystery of God bringing all these different nations into the fold, uh, and the uniting power of the good news of Jesus. But I thought I would kind of see a glimpse of that in heaven, right? In Revelation, we read that people in the end, we will Worship before the throne of God and every tribe and tongue and nation will be there. And I I kept on imagining that's awesome. I can't wait for that day and to experience what that's going to be like. And then when we started the church, it turns out that I had a bunch of plans and then God left. I couldn't really fathom all of you being here today. The mystery of God sort of being revealed in this obvious way, where so many different tribes and tongues and nations are just represented in this room alone. So I want to ask people in here, what nation are you from? So let me first say this. If you're an Icelandic, I think we should, uh, do our like Viking who, right? That's, that's how we always greet people. If you didn't know, uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's do that. If you're Icelandic in here, do the who one, two. <laughs> Okay, that's awesome. Uh, The other nations in the room, do your thing, whatever your voo is. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, no. (laughs) Oh no, Tenji, don't, don't. I see that. I see that smile. (laughs) She's about to break into like a, a dance over here, (laughs) Uh, a Zulu war dance. All right, what other nations do we have represented in this room?
2: Shout it out. Colombia, South Africa. Ni- okay, wait, wait, wait. So Iceland, South Africa, Colombia, Nigeria, Venezuela, yeah. huh? Ukraine, America, Syria, Cameroon, Lithuania. Estonia, Malawi, Ghana, India, El Salvador. Can I hear? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Is there? Iran? Anyone else? Going once. Huh? We did Ghana. Oh, Uganda. Uganda. El Salvador, do we say El Salvador? Yeah. Australia. Well,
1: Christian, you're kind of all over the place. Uh, you don't count for anything. You're just a nomad traveling the world. I'm no, just kidding. Australia, we'll give you Australia. Okay. Huh? And Germany and Hong Kong and a bunch of other places. <laughs> okay. So, uh, what is that? Three? No, just kidding. Uh, that's 18, right? That's 18. How many nations are in their world, like 190? There's like roughly 10% of all the nations in this like tiny room. And it's just mind blowing to think about. And mind blowing to think about of all the different things, the cultures that we come from, the languages that we speak, us trying to reverse the Tower of Babel over here with a translator, you know, all the different things that make us so different from one another. And yet here we
2: are to sing about God. Where everything else
1: fails in comparison. I did not, like, I just thought we started a church in the most homogenous country on earth. And I was thought, like, ah, there's no way there's gonna be a lot of diversity here. And then God is kind of like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> does his thing. I didn't dare to ask for any of this. I don't really know how this happened. Uh, I thought, yeah, man, it's like, we're, we started a nice landing and then just something happened and, and God directed the steps. And I'm just like, man, how awesome is it to be a part of this? <laughs> God is doing his thing and you just go along for the ride. And this is this service in here is, is a testament to, the, to this verse. Man, whatever you think about, whatever your plans may be, God can do way more than you even dream about. And we dare not take credit for any of this uh, because it's Jesus who builds his church. This is simply a result of bended knees before the Father Prayers answered through the sun and power and strength given by the Holy Spirit as we read in these verses. And like we, I love this verse that's been a reminder over these last 10 years where it says, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. (laughs) Doesn't matter how much you strive or try to force things to happen, you cannot force the hand of God. And ultimately, if you want anything to be built, he has to be in it. Our strategy moving forward will not change. We we need to depend on God to move in us, move among us, move through us. And as long as we stay on our knees, the good news is you cannot fall. You cannot fail if you stay on your knees. And as we praise God for what he has done, may it drive us to just not be filled, like look at us, you know, but rather look at God. Look at what God has done (laughs) and cling harder to the cross as it says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being. As we serve him, we must be rooted and grounded in love, having roots that drink from the wellspring of life because only there can we be confident and yet humble at the same time. We can be confident in his ability to part, open the Red Sea. And yet we can be humbled that he would allow us to be a part of the journey that he calls us to. And some of us may be bad students. Can, can the bad students in the room say amen? Or no, let's not say amen to us." Let's, let's not say so be it to, to God. I am, uh, I'm settled here. I'm just going to be a bad student. But um, yeah, who was a bad student in math? Can I get a, just, a, yeah, okay. Who was a bad student in Danish? Let's be honest. Yeah, that's, I mean, everybody is. You can never really figure out that language anyway. So, um, however bad of a student you may have been in mathematics and Danish, don't be a bad student in this. Be well schooled in our endless endeavor to comprehend the breadth, and the depth, the width, and the length of Jesus' love for you and love for us. May we not. Only talk about God's love, but experience it. And that's what I love about Paul. He says, May you know the unknowable love of God be, you know. And how do we do that? Well, how we know God sometimes isn't a preacher telling you about him or you reading about him, it's you experiencing him coming through in your life to experience his goodness. Like Psalm 34, eight says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't just know and hear about the Lord being good? Taste and see it, experience it. God's love sees that you are so worse off than you even comprehend, right? You are so worse off than you can ever imagine. And yet the love of Christ reminds us that you are far more loved than you can ever imagine. God's love is wide enough to include every person and cover every sin. God's love is long enough to last through the good and the bad times and through all of eternity. God's love is deep enough to save every worst sinner from their rock bottom. And God's love is high enough to take us into heaven. You can ask for every good thing that you've experienced on earth, and yet God can do More than that, he can go above that. You can think of or imagine things beyond your experiences and God can go deeper. You can ask for a big purpose, but God's plan can take you wider and you can imagine a fruitful life and God can take you way longer than you ever expected to go. God is most glorified in us when we are satisfied in him. And I plead with you, to plunge into the satisfaction that is available to you in Christ. What is your purpose? To be the church, the gathered people of God, that glorified God, not only when we gathered like this, but also as we scatter into our week, carrying the torch of the gospel into every dark area of life, lighting up the darkness, but also carrying the torch of the gospel to every good and bright area of life, and then realizing that the good news of the Jesus, of Jesus is so much brighter than even the best that this life has to offer and i love this if you are in here and you have been wondering what your purpose is and if you if you have a purpose let me tell you this this gives everything purpose if your life is in christ this is your purpose so 1 corinthians 10:31 says so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do And if you go into the Greek there, that whatever also means whatever. Everything else. Do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. Think about this. So after the service, as you eat your hamburger, just realize how
2: strange you look. Just like, and as you drink and you do your little, you know, like whatever. It's like, whether you eat or drink,
1: do to the glory of God. So if you can eat and drink to the glory of God, then you can do just about everything to the glory of God, right? And he says that in text, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Fix cars to the glory of God. So one member of our church advertising a car for sale at like 2 a.m. this morning, (laughs) this is just fixed up. By the way, if you need a Toyota, you can talk to uh, our brother over here. You can clean houses to the glory of God. You can make medicine to the glory of God. You can use technology to the glory of God. You can give glory. Yeah, you can give it to the glory of God. You can start a Bible study to the glory of God. You can raise your children to the glory of God. You can study to the glory of God. You can fold your laundry to the glory. You get the, you get the picture that I'm trying to, Like you could do everything to the glory of God. And if you ever needed a purpose, this thing gives everything that you do an eternal purpose. So as we gather, we can set up to the glory of God. Diego can translate to the glory of God. And uh Christian can do his little mixing to the glory of God. (laughs) That's not the type of DJ he is, right? You can clean up to the glory of God We can serve in kids' ministry to the glory of God. We can sing together to the glory of God. I just kind of love the fact that our piano didn't start. Do you know what I needed to do? I just turned it off and on again. I just thought about that quote from that computer. What What is that? Shell? Have you tried turning it off and on again? And it worked. So I love the fact that piano, piano didn't work and we just all started singing. It's like, man, we can sing to the glory of God. And we aim to continue to glorify God in three ways. If you didn't know this, this is what our weird logo stands for. That's in our logo. Like I said, we started in Icelandic. So we have Icelandic letters. Upward, inwards, outwards to the glory of Christ. When we started the church, this is what we wanted to do. Our name, the Upper Room Baptist Church. That's the room where they have the last meal with Jesus. That's the room where they prayed for the Holy Spirit to come and to equip them to be witnesses. And I love this. They had an upper room. They had about 120 people gathered there. The Holy Spirit came. And you know what they didn't do? They didn't set up services and just continue to worship there in the upper room until they all died out. They went out. So they, yeah, they grew upwards in their knowledge and understanding and faithfulness and love of God. They grew inwards into community with one another. And then they grew outwards. They literally tell the world about Jesus. There were 120 dependent people with bendable knees in the upper room, filled with flaws, filled with past mistakes. I mean, even you read the, you read the resurrection account, it's like, it's not really past mistakes. They just continue to make mistakes all the time. Thomas doubting that Jesus has risen and it's like all this type of stuff. He can use flawed people like them and that also includes flawed people like you and me. But they came with bent knees. They came with empty hands and willing hearts. And God was able to use that to his glory. So we want to be equipped to grow in our understanding, love and dedication to God as we grow up. We want to be equipped to grow in community with one another, realizing the family that Jesus has made us a part of as we grow in and we want to be equipped start churches and also to realize that you, out of a hundred people, 99 will not read their Bibles. Before they ever read their Bibles, they will be reading you. They're going to be saying, is this guy got something or girl got something that is actually worth pursuing?
2: And we grow up. Realize that you, think about this, you, Lord, you are called to be an
1: ambassador of Jesus, to show what Jesus is like. But will you glorify God with your life or seek your own glory? Imagine what God can do in Iceland with a group just gathered here today. It's promised in these verses that God Whatever, whatever you got in your mind when you just thought about what God could do with us. He literally says in our verses, he can do far more abundantly than you can even ask or think. And the word says this in Second Chronicles sixteen nine. for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose hearts are blameless towards him. Will you join us in this? To make your life count towards an eternal impact.
2: It's, it's disputed who
1: said this, right? Uh, it could have been a guy who's called Wayne Gretzky uh, or, or Michael Scott. Yeah, uh, And I didn't realize how serious this moment would be, but I did put the picture on the, in the, in the screen. But it goes something like this. You miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. Okay. It's the first sermon I've ever quoted Michael Scott. Uh, But my fear for us, you know what? I'm going to take this off. I can't be serious. My fear for us is that we will never take shots that are in the spiritual realm because we're too distracted by good things that turn out to be bad things because we tend to make good things ultimate things in our life. Good blessings of God that we can get preoccupied with that lead us to never lift our heads to see how we could play a role in God's plan in Iceland. I absolutely, I don't know about, well, to the parents in the room, I mean, have you given your kids, like, good toys, and then they get too preoccupied with your toys to, like, clean their room, or, you know, it's, like, one of the most annoying things that you do. You give your kids some, like, computer game, and it's like, clean your room! That's how I am a good parent, like, uh, (laughs) they pretend not to hear you, you know, like, or they're just like, pretend to go clean the room. Yeah, actually, like, my son stole the iPad earlier. I came up here, like, right as I was like, like, where's the sermon? <laughs> what is happening? But that's us. As I think about that, I'm like, I'm reminded of my kids and their tendency to do that, to be preoccupied with the stuff I give them so that they don't actually listen to me trying to lead them away from that, from some of the stuff and lead them away from danger. And... And ruining their life just playing uh, Roblox, you know—that's uh,
2: the gateway video game. <laughs> but
1: I hate it when my kids do that. And yet we do that all the time. We take all the good stuff that God gives us, and then we get super preoccupied with that, and we don't listen to what He has for us to do. That's how many of us live. Many try to use God to. Worship his creation. And we in our aim would rather use all of his blessings, be it stuff that we own or skills that we have, in the end to
2: glorify God. So let me ask you these questions. Is there anybody in here today who up
1: until this point, you've not given your life over to Christ? You've not ever thought about following Jesus or believing that he is your savior? Up until this point, and you want to do that today. If you are in here, do raise your hand? Okay. But to the Christians in this room, and I realize maybe not everybody's a Christian, but to the Christian in this room, I'd love for you to plug into a small group. Uh we put these questions in the YouTube live stream and to talk about these things. I want you to ask these questions, what it what is it that I need to answer the call of Jesus to do? And what is keeping you from making that step. Uh, Second question is, what is most likely in life to distract me from answering the call to my eternal purpose, be it good things or bad things, and how am I to make sure to keep my eyes on Jesus? And lastly, how am I growing upwards in my enjoyment of and love and faithfulness to God? What am I doing to grow inwards and to be in a part of community with brothers and sisters? And what will I do to grow outwards to tell others about Jesus? So God has done great things in the last 10 years. Some moments when we couldn't afford housing for our church and God came through and has been incredible to experience. And as I look toward the future, I'm excited to see how God's gonna continue to be glorified in our church through him revealing himself to be a capable protector and provider. But sometimes for us to experience the power of God, we have to take the step of faith and see him come meet us in our need. We cannot glorify God when we were controlled by fear. And so that's why we remember communion every, every Sunday. Um, in communion, there's a Bible verse that says, there's no fear in love, but for perfect love casts out fear. In communion, we were reminded of the perfect love of Jesus who came to die for our sins, take our shame, to take our debt, to make us his. And if you're in here and you're a Christian and you wanna participate in this, We would love to remember the love of Christ. And by Christian, I mean, you've made the commitment to say, Christ, when I stand before you, you are the one I trust in to have paid my debt. I'm not going to impress you with my good works. And you are my Lord. That is, my life is not my own. I'm I'm yours. Paul says this to the Corinthian church about communion. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given things, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks a cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then. So eat the bread and drink the cup. So examine yourself. And if you're ready to remember Christ in communion during this song, come. And after the song, let's remember overwhelming love of Jesus and give ourselves to be used by him as we go into this week.
0: You've been listening to Sermons from Iceland, a weekly podcast highlighting the Sunday teaching ministry of Lofstofan Baptiste Kyrka in Reykjavik, Iceland. If you have a desire to see the gospel spread in Iceland, consider partnering with The Iceland Project. For more information, go to theicelandproject.org. If you live in Iceland or plan on visiting Iceland soon, make plans to worship with us at 11 a.m. on Sundays. Our address is Fagrating 2A, Kopavogur, only 7 miles or 12 kilometers southeast of downtown Reykjavik. You can reach Pastor Gunnar via the Lofstofan Facebook page or by email. His address is lofstofan at lofstofan.is. Join us next week for another Bible-based and Jesus-centered message on Sermons from Iceland.